Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. My name is Adam Williams. Don't know why I said my last name. I don't usually do that, but I am with Joe and Jimmy, and I'm going to protect their identities, so not say their last names. Um, This is the podcast in which we will discuss the Hungarian Grand Prix 2022. The Lionesses bringing it home to Sweet Caroline, which Joe loved, and Birmingham 22 and probably some other stuff as well. Right, let's get into giving you a summary of what happened in Hungary. Um, I think, Joe and Jimmy... It can be summarised by Max Verstappen winning by about 10 seconds, Lewis Hamilton finishing second, George Russell third, and Ferrari doing a lot of weird things to shoot themselves in the foot. Is that a good summary of both the French Grand Prix and the Hungarian Grand Prix? It's a pretty good summary, but I think it misses out a lot of the meat of what happened. Well, it's a good job we can discuss that. (laughs) Well, yeah. And how are you doing, Joe? Excellent. Uh, the room I'm in is far too hot, but otherwise, excellent. Ah, you've spoken to me about this in the past, about your room being south-facing. I thought you were trying to protect my identity, Adam. Someone could figure out where I live <laughs> just from that. <laughs> and Jimmy, how are you doing? Are you, are you looking at Google Maps now to work out exactly where Joe might be? Yeah, why not, yeah. Um, uh, no, not really, <laughs> no. Um... I'm very well, thank you, mate. Very well, indeed. Good race, and uh, yeah, we'll get into it in a bit, I imagine. Well, why don't you give us a rating, first of all, Jimmy? Probably seven point. Interesting race. Mixed up grid. Yeah, good race. But the same result as last week. I don't know how they did it, yeah. but you're right. I was on the edge of my seat the whole way around. Joe, while we rating it, are you agreeing with the seven and a half? I think I am, to be fair. Um, I think it, it had a bit more action all the way through than France did um a couple more sort of drives through the field um and some really really impressive drives as well so that boosts it up yeah definitely and pretty incredible that Ferrari continue to to ruin this world championship and and Max Verstappen well surely surely he's got one and a half hands on that championship trophy by now yeah going into the summer break is it wrapped up 80 point lead i think so i think it says a lot i think it says a lot that if you had to pick a biggest challenger for max verstappen's world title at the moment you could realistically argue that it's lewis hamilton yeah (laughs) i think i think i think that is that's the extent to how how much a the cars immediately behind max verstappen are bottling it and B, sort of the upturn in Mercedes form. I genuinely think you can realistically argue that Lewis Hamilton is the biggest threat to Max Verstappen Championship. And that's not me saying he's any threat at all, because I don't think he no, is. No, but, you're, but, you're, but I, I, he's, scored, he's scored the second most amount of points only to Max Verstappen in the past five races with five yep. podium finishes. So, yeah, and I, I guess it proves that those two are the best drivers on the grid right now. Oh, I mean miles clear i don't i mean look jimmy you tried to argue last week on race pace no, those two yeah. miles clear i agree yeah i agree as much as it pains me i agree what i would say and i'm sure we'll get into this a bit more later leclerc i think the top three agreed um that the top three finishers agreed he was really quick on the medium but it does it doesn't help that his team ferrari don't appear to be doing many things right at the moment and you do feel for Leclerc because it does look like another nail in the coffin as far as his challenge for the title goes this year but we get to the point in the show that I know you both love it's called no breaks and we're going to summarize the race now disclaimer Joe's had a busy weekend yeah he's not seen all of the sessions live so um if he gets anything wrong i'm sure jimmy and i will will help in terms of filling it out um although jimmy it's nice to have an excuse this week to be fair (laughs) i think we'll go jimmy joe myself okay and it's lights out and away we go russell was on the softs leclerc was on the mediums science was on the mediums russell kept very good pace to start with (laughs) Where where was Russell starting, uh, Jimmy? Pole position, yeah. So first pole position of his career should probably point that out. Um, 
Joe. So Russell got away well, held the lead. Lewis Hamilton got a great start, jumping both the Alpines and running a bit wide, nearly getting Lando Norris, but up to fifth. I don't know what happened at that point, so I'm going to hand over to Adam. And George Russell started to pull away. He got a three-second gap in the first few laps, and he was expecting rain to come to his saviour because the Mercedes had really struggled compared to the Ferraris and the Red Bulls when it came to race pace. However, that rain that kept on threatening, it didn't seem to come. It was always nearby, but never really affecting the race, which was absolutely fine, really, because the race as a whole was engrossing in terms of strategy. And that is exactly what happened. We were trying to work it out. Everyone was trying to work it out. Was it a one-stop or was it a two-stop? Now, Jimmy had already pointed out that Russell was on the softs and Leclerc and Sainz were on the mediums. So, was Russell going to have to pit earlier than the Ferraris? That was the question. But the answer was that... What happened? Who who pitted first? <laughs> was it... Le- it was Sainz that pitted first, wasn't it, Jimmy? Uh, Russell. Was it? I think so, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> Take it away, Jimmy. So Russell pitted. The Ferraris were unleashed and they continued at a very good pace. Verstappen pitted also because he was on the softs. Lewis was unleashed because he was stuck behind Norris, who was again on the softs. So Hamilton had very good race pace. And then the Ferraris came in. I think that's a big enough pause for Joe to take over there, Jimmy. Right. I've got to kind of guess where we are here. But... Verstappen seemed to jump quite a few cars on the pit phase. He came out ahead of Lewis Hamilton and that set him free to chase down the Ferraris. He did manage to overtake Charles Leclerc initially but then made an odd mistake coming out of the second to last turn. But then he managed to repass him again to take what was effectively the lead of the race. Might be worth explaining what tyres Leclerc was on at that point. Well, I mean... That was after the second round of pit stops, and I know you've not seen it all. Yeah, you take uh, it away, Adam, because I've not... uh... Ferrari had pitted Charles Leclerc onto medium tyres after starting with medium tyres, which meant that they had to pit again and go for a different compound. It was either soft, which are quick, but they don't last long, or hard, which last long, but everyone was describing them as rubbish when it came to race pace, and... Ferrari being Ferrari went for hard tyres and he was a sitting duck when Max Verstappen came up to the back of him. After that, Verstappen could kind of pull away. Hamilton did eventually pit. Hamilton and Sainz were further ahead. Uh, In fact, Sainz pitted before Hamilton. They both went for the soft tyres with only a handful of laps to go. I think it was about 15. And they could utilise the speed that the soft gave them. However, Carlos Sainz and his Ferrari weren't able to manage the tyres as well as Lewis Hamilton, who him, and he's always been good at managing his tyres, but Mercedes, it seems that that car is really good at tyre management over a race. It's not too hard on the tyres. It lets them go further, and Hamilton was able to make the most of that. He first of all came up to Carlisle Sainz, overtook him nicely. George Russell, he wasn't asked to get out of the way of Lewis, despite Verstappen being ahead. Uh, By this point, by the way, Leclerc had pitted into traffic, naturally, because it's Ferrari's strategy again. And Hamilton was up to second place after starting seventh he could have been on that front row of the grid if he didn't have a drs failure in qualifying so it would have been interesting to see whether he could have indeed won the race because he only finished seven and a half seconds behind max verstappen who won in the end as rain started to fall in the last couple of laps it didn't quite cause an upset but what it did cause was Mercedes to get a double podium for the second race running Hamilton to be second and for him to get the fastest lap of the race so perhaps Joe is right Hamilton could be Max Verstappen's biggest threat to the championship but he's more than 100 points behind with nine races to go so I don't think that's likely I don't know why I pointed my fingers there because it's not a visual form of content but there you go uh 
Joe and Jimmy can enjoy the points. But one point is that there are 80 now between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. So I imagine one of you is going to rock up and say, you can't argue it. Max Verstappen is the biggest winner. Which one is it going to be? Verstappen, for sure. You have to say Verstappen, in my opinion. Um, he was 10th. So you would have thought that he'd probably get third at the best, but to win it and for Leclerc to finish sixth when he started third. Um, yeah, I would have never have thought that. And yeah, just really bad from Leclerc's point of view and excellent from Verstappen's. So, yeah, I, I think we've already established that we think the championship is over. It will be interesting when they go to Spa to see whether Red Bull and Ferrari maybe go backwards a little bit compared to Mercedes. It would probably favour Verstappen, actually, because it wouldn't mean Ferrari are scoring the big points necessarily when the floor, cha uh, the floor changes do happen. But it will be interesting to have six cars in the fight, at least, because that was great, this race. It's what we've been waiting for all season. And we finally got it just before the summer break. Um, Joe? Biggest winner, who are we going for? Is it Verstappen again? I'll go different to Jimmy. Yeah, I think two double podiums in a row, given where they started the season. Um, and to do it, this, this is on pure pace, pretty much. Um, I know Ferrari helped them with the strategy. Um, but on race pace, that car is clearly nearly there now. Um, and coming back after the summer break, they're in a very good position to push on for the second half of the season. Do you think that the Mercedes is now at the level of the Red Bull? Because Perez was not a threat to either Mercedes this race. No, I don't think it's quite there. Um, I think the Red Bull is just a bit quicker over one lap and it's got a significant straight line speed advantage, which means that in the races, it's a lot easier to overtake in that Red Bull. So I do think the Red Bull's still better. I do think the Ferrari's still better, um, but... Yeah, I think the Ferrari's the quickest car, but it's looking more and more likely that the mm -hmm. fastest car could finish third in the Constructors' Championship. Yeah, I genuinely think if uh, if that floor update makes any difference at all, then Mercedes will almost certainly finish second in the the Constructors. They're only 30... They're, yeah, they're only 30 points yeah. behind um, Ferrari, so... It's ridiculous. I, I know that you, you want to be different. You like to be different. You are different, Joe, but I'm going to agree with you on Mercedes. Uh, George Russell, first pole position with a mega lap. And while Lewis was unlucky not to be up there, potentially take pole himself, he did a great job to come from seventh up to second on the grid and extend that run of form in terms of five podiums in a row and now he's got six podiums for the season which is exactly the same amount as Leclerc, Sainz and Perez who are supposedly uh, the title rivals of Max Verstappen um, although Russell has now overtaken Carlos Sainz in the driver's standings uh, to go up to third position um, which I thought was a notable fourth move position. however fourth position forgive me yeah, that was that was a notable move, although Hamilton has been catching Russell over the last five races in terms of points slowly. But they're also they're also um so close second through to sixth now. It like, would be a great championship if Max Verstappen wasn't yeah. in it, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. There's only Really exciting. Yeah. What is it? There's only thirty two points between them. So I mean, one car failure for Charles Leclerc and you know, Lewis Hamilton could almost be with him same with signs or russell so yeah mercedes i think even though max verstappen's the obvious winner i think mercedes will probably leave for the summer break the happiest of the three team uh because i don't think perez is there and i think red bull are a bit nervous about what the regulation change might mean for them but i don't think they are nervous about the drivers championship they look like a really switched on world championship winning team like Mercedes and Ferrari don't look there yet unfortunately so yeah um, I guess you could argue Ferrari are the biggest losers I've actually picked out um, Bonotto the Ferrari boss as my biggest loser I I saw a tweet by Ben Hunt for the Sun who who said I know F1 isn't football but if he was a football manager Bonotto would have been sacked by now mm -hmm. and 
that was the second race running where he's walked <laughs> off the pit wall um, almost w- not wanting to see the end of the race and yeah I, I don't think I've seen a football manager walk off the pitch not wanting to see the end of the, the football match but you can imagine if that was going on then there would be talk in, in the news to say the least wouldn't there Jimmy? They would indeed yeah I mean it's terrible uh, for for Ferrari and yeah they've yeah they just to be honest I know I'm not Red Bull's greatest fans but they deserve to win you know they've been clinical uh, Ferrari's just handed it to them to be honest they've been so poor over the season um, yeah and it's not that even if they could get 80 points back on Verstappen over the course of the next nine races what's to say that they're not going to make more silly mistakes or reliability issues the the issue is it's not necessarily Bonotto's fault yes he's the leader so the the buck stops with him but it does seem like a team issue maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point where they're they're so in fear of making the wrong decision that they end up making poorer and poorer decisions as as the races go by what do you think joe well, it's going to get even more complicated for them, I think. I think Jimmy just said, what to say they won't make more mistakes? Um, you know, up until now in the season, they've only been fighting two other cars. If you throw another two into the mix, that, <laughs> that true. It, it makes the strategies more complicated. You have to keep it like, you know, if you pit, you might get stuck behind a, a George Russell or Lewis Hamilton and that could compromise your race. You can't just catch back up to those... Red Bulls so the strategies are just going to get more complicated and Ferrari really need to sort it out um I've got no confidence in them doing that though because you, I think you can ask Sebastian Vettel exactly uh what Ferrari's strategies are sometimes like and that was four or five years ago now it was to the point that Vettel was doing strategy from his car exactly I mean, we, we've seen it from science this season as well, doing strategy from yeah. his car. Because he doesn't trust them. It's <laughs> what, what are your two biggest winners or biggest losers then? It has to be uh, Ferrari as a whole. I mean, they're in superb, superbly positioned to take uh, a 2-1 in that race, a 1-2. And, um, and yeah, they didn't capitalise it because they it went peak tonk for them, didn't it? Joe, are you in agreement? Um... Hang on, let me see what I wrote down. I'll find out in a minute whether I was. Uh, do, do you know what? No. Well, I mean, yes, but also I think someone who ought to be very concerned is uh, Sergio Perez. We mentioned it earlier. Just nowhere near Max Verstappen anymore. After a, you know, a quite promising start to the season where he looked closer to Max Verstappen, I'm still not having your rubbish, Jimmy, about no. him being ahead of Max Verstappen at any point. You were right, mate. At this you season, were right. but I, I... but now, now, absolutely miles off it. Getting, I mean, getting knocked out of Q2 on pace. That's not good at all for a car that is debatably fastest on the grid. Um, I think you know Ferrari probably over a single lap are faster, but it's not not good enough really. Um, and you know you compare it to science. Science at least does appear to be somewhat on Leclerc's pace. He's keeping. He's you know on the track within five or so seconds of Leclerc. Sometimes even ahead. Sergio Perez nowhere near. Um, you've got to got to be worried for him. Certainly. Helmet Marco, whose words we always value so much, um, has said Sergio Perez is clear over the last few races. He's already thinking about his summer holidays. Um, Make of that what you will. You can't deny that he has had a, a downturn in form the last two or three races. And I wonder how many more races it will take until he becomes more under pressure. Mm. We will move on, as we tend to have to do with these things, to our moment of the week. For me, we've already discussed it plenty. It was the cool-down room. It was basically Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen and George Russell laughing at Ferrari's strategy to put Charles Leclerc on the hard tyres. I think Lewis Hamilton said, Charles was on hard tyres. And then George Russell and Max Verstappen turned around from the TV and both went, yeah, as if to say, yeah, I can't believe it either. It says a lot when the top three drivers 
who all overtook Leclerc as a result of that strategy can see that that is why. Uh, but I think Bonotto was saying that the car just simply didn't have the pace. No wonder it didn't have the pace. You were on the wrong tyres that both Alpines had gone on to. And they'd proven that the tyres were rubbish. Everyone before the race was saying the hard tyres would be rubbish. So Ferrari thought, hmm, I want some of that. <laughs> anyway. It's almost like they think, how can we make this as hard as possible for ourselves to win it? And then it just seems crazy. Yeah. Mad. Madness. Charles Leclerc on the right tyres wins this race easily. Yeah. But he wasn't. No. And it's a team sport. Sometimes we forget that. Um, anyway, my rant is over. Jimmy helped a little bit there. Uh, Joe, what's your moment of the week? I'm going to go with the greatest Formula One driver of all time, finally topping deservedly a session Nicholas Latifi sticking it P1 in FP3. Don't you mean Nicholas Gotifi? I do, of course. My mistake. Sticking it P1. Um, Alex Albon sticking it P3. Williams Masterclass incoming. And then Q1 rolls around P20. It was a real shame for, for Nicholas because he he did go purple in the first sector, didn't he, in Q1? He did, yeah. And the and then he went on the grass in the final section. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was last. Can, can you imagine if uh, if that storm had properly hit and they went off the F uh, the FP three results as as the starting grid, which I think has been done in the past. It's it's within the regulations that they can do it for sure. Uh, it would have been interesting, but then again, the grid was mixed up just enough. Oh, of course it was. was. Yeah, but. but but on, on your moment, I, I think it's a brilliant moment, and it, it led to a moment where I was having lunch at work and I saw that result. Mm. And I, I shouted across the room to a friend of mine called Doug, and I said, Doug, I bet you a million pounds that you won't say the driver <laughs> to me <laughs> is number one in FP3. And do you know what? He didn't get it right. I don't... I, I, I don't, you wouldn't expect him to get it right, really. I mean... So I'm I'm expecting a million pounds at some point uh, to be coming through. So, Doug, if you're listening, I'll send over the bank details. Uh, but, yeah, so, Jimmy, your moment of the race. Or oh, moment of the weekend, forgive me. My moment of the we weekend um, would be the double overtake that Ricardo. Oh. managed to pull off uh, around turn two and three. One, two and three um, is great because it looked like he'd he'd been done by, I think it was the two Alpines, was it? Well, the two Alpines were tripping over each other and left Ricardo able to cut underneath and then go round the outside um, through turn two and three. It was an excellent move and it was old school Daniel Ricardo. It's just a shame about his strategy after that, yeah. really. Yeah, McLaren went on hard tyres as well, didn't they? With him. Yeah, which just is just crazy. Maybe in the the heat, if it was you know thirty degrees centigrade and dry, it might be that it would be an advantage to be in the hards because sometimes the hards at a race just work and they don't you think? Yeah, so yeah. But it was a great move. It was indeed all the same. Yeah. Right, we'll stick with you, Jimmy. Who's getting your honourable mention? We'll have to say Sebastian Vettel. That was a very throwback pronunciation of his name. What, Sebastian Vettel? Yeah, they always used to call him that, do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> Back when he was winning a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you see, I've got the knowledge. Anyway, um, I did that by complete accident. Um, however, uh, yeah, it's a shame he's going, isn't it? Um, he's 35 years old and he's had enough, I think, Um for someone who's come from Red Bull, Ferrari, both won a championship winning team, won a race winning team, um, or both race winning, um, going to Aston Martin um, is a bit of a sort of fall from grace, shall we say. Um, and he's not enjoying himself. I think he's more and more conflicted with environmental stuff and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that he just wants to go... I, I'm excited to see what he does next, to be honest, because I'm sure he's got a plan on what to do. Uh, but yeah, he's a... He doesn't know what he's going to do. Uh, I don't know, I'm he said. 
but whatever he does, he, he's got many things that he would be very good at, including being the FIA president, as I've said before. But but yeah, that is a great shout for honourable mention, Jimmy. Sebastian Vettel, who is going to retire at the end of this season. And if you haven't, go and watch the emotional video in which he announces that. Have you two seen it? It was a bit too dramatic for me. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit... Too, if. You know, it's one of those things. That's the way he wanted to do it, and I didn't quite get it myself, but fair play to him, yeah. It was beautiful. It was poetry. I, I, I mean, I I think I'm getting more emotional about sports as the years go on, as I get older. Like, I, I just cried when the Lionesses won. So by the time you'll be 80, you'll be an emotional wreck, and you won't be able to watch sports at all, because you just burst into tears at the sight of a Formula 1 car. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I was tearing up and emotional for a couple of days when Sebastian Vettel retired. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, not quite as emotional as you. Um, but, you know, he's one of the few drivers that's been in F1 since we all started watching. Uh, gone from really hating w- watching him win all the time to him being one of my favourite drivers. So, great. Right, on on this topic... I. I did have an honourable mention, but I I don't want to hear from Joe about his either. I don't want to talk about mine. What I want to say is we're all going to give our favourite Sebastian Vettel moment from his career so far. Um, We'll begin with you, Joe. Well, you could have given me some time to think of it. It's a big question, to be fair. Okay, I'll 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 begin with mine, okay? It It was the first Ferrari win in Malaysia. That, that radio message, it still gives me goosebumps when I hear him saying, Si, grazie ragazzi, grazie, 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 dai. Oh. What, that he can speak Italian or that he's, yeah, the, the emotion in his voice or what? It's not the fact that he can speak Italian, Jimmy. Oh, right. He Michael Schumacher was Sebastian Vettel's hero. If he had won a world championship with Ferrari, it would have meant more than the four with Red Bull. Mm. I think you'd need to ask him, but perhaps that that first win with Ferrari might have meant more than one of the championships with Red Bull. It's Ferrari. And as Sebastian Vettel has said, everyone is a Ferrari fan. Even if they say they're not a Ferrari fan, they are a Ferrari fan. He's such an ambassador for this sport, but yeah, the the love he has for Formula One and Ferrari especially, even though it ended in the way that a lot of drivers have ended with Ferrari. Um, He's just such a special, beautiful human being with such good values, and I think our sport will miss him. Joe, let's get get your favourite Sebastian Vettel moment while Jimmy searches Google frantically. I think I'll go with an actual driving achievement because I think it's like often they actually get overlooked when you uh, you often you know the same thing happened with Kimi Räikkönen and people get like bogged down in the radio messages and stuff like that and you forget just what an unbelievable driver they were and I think it's got to be the the nine wins in a row which is a record yeah and there have been more dominant cars than that 2013 Red Bull. Admittedly, not that many of them. It was a bloody good car. But there have been a fair few more dominant cars. You look at the Ferrari F2004, the Mercedes W11. Uh, it is W11 that was 2021. It? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah, Mercedes yeah. W11, the McLaren MP4 slash 4. And to get nine wins in a row is absolutely insane. Like, no one's even come that close that I have there. I think, actually, I think Schumacher might have got eight. Yeah, I, I think Lewis might have got five, four or five. Oh, no, Rosberg got seven. Yes, he did, yeah. Lewis's biggest streak is five, I think, but he's, like, he's had, he's had like, two fives split by a DNF. Um, but to have nine wins in a row is just mental. And it's, it speaks a lot about Sebastian Vettel's ability to be consistent, the right amount of aggression, incredible in terms of thinking about the strategy, thinking about the car, putting it on pole position, getting out of the DRS and just managing that race to perfection. That's what he did. And even though we all hated him winning so much, you, you've got to give it to him. He, he was 
a serial winner and such a good Formula One driver. Um, and I, I think I think we almost thought he was a robot. And yeah, over, over the last what maybe while once he joined Ferrari and and that that radio message I talked about, you saw more of the human side to him. But but you're right, you're right. I thought of it. Do you have anything more to say on that, Joe, or should I hand it over to no, you? No, no, move on. Jimmy, give us your Sebastian Vettel moment. So my um, Sebastian Vettel moment is a bit left field, and it is um, when he went off to Silverstone in 2021 and picked up a load of litter. Um, and I think that because it was one time where he actually showed that he could back up his words with actions like he did something as being a positive role model it's all very well about people saying things you know uh and all that sort of stuff on on, um climate crisis and all that sort of stuff but showing that he's actually willing to do something and be a positive role model um it's not the first time um he went to a prison and visited a young offenders institute as well um and told them you know to, to sort your lives out i think i'm not sure is that blunt but um he probably gave quite an inspirational speech. Um, I think he was a bit more supportive than that, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it just shows that he's got more to offer than Formula 1, and I think it's a very exciting period coming up uh, for, for Seb Vettel. I know we talked about it in the past, and I've joked about the FIA presidency, but if you had to put money on it, I'm not asking you to do it, what would you say... He will go on to achieve. Um, I think he might be a politician, maybe British politician, but I don't know. I don't know if he can be, can he, or not? Well, I think that British politics is really good at being influenced by foreign um, people, anyway. So <laughs> even if he doesn't become an official politician, he could invest heavily in. Um, uh, there are some parties that are influenced by foreign people more than others, but yeah, um, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Do you agree, politician, or have you uh, got another I think there's any number of positions that you could see him en- en- ended up being in. Um, I wouldn't like to put money on any of them, really. I can't help but feel he is going to be pushing hard behind the scenes, as he's already proven already, to make F1 use fully sustainable fuels. Not mm-hmm. just 10% sustainable fuels, fully sustainable, like he, he managed with the Williams that he drove in um, Silverstone, but also with the 100-year-old Aston Martin. That was renewable fuel as well. How is it? That's interesting. Yeah, so if if you could do it with old cars, there's no question that you can do it with the new cars. The only problem he had driving for Aston Martin was one of their biggest sponsors happened to be the biggest oil company in the world in Aramco. So, yeah. And the fact that the Saudis are investing in Formula One suggests that it might be a bit difficult for F1 to go all the way, but F1 needs to maybe do more than chase the money in that perspective. For example, don't get rid of Spa. Don't get rid of France just to get, I don't know, Saudi Arabia and Miami. Miami's all right in terms of a spectacle, but it wasn't a great race. Anyway, this is about Sebastian Vettel. As Joe has said on many occasions, what a guy. (laughs) What a guy. It's really difficult to move on because I don't want to move on because I don't want him to go, but we're going to have to. The whole honourable mention is to you, Sebastian Vettel. The AJ on the line line of the week for me goes to a Twitter user, as I read it out of the corner of my eye, called T. Howling, who said Max Verstappen wins with a mistake while Charles Leclerc finishes sixth with a faultless drive. The difference there being Red Bull and Ferrari. We've kind of discussed this already, but I think we can agree on that one, can't we? For sure. It's just that strategy letting him down. But anyway, it's time to hear from Jimmy about his AJ on the line line of the week. Uh, my AJ on the line line of the week was from Crofty who said during the race, I spoke to a Ferrari engineer yesterday and I asked him, I asked him, are you worried about the undercut of the overcut with Mercedes? And the Ferrari engineer replied, don't worry, they can undercut us and overcut us. We've got them covered. Um, And the irony in that statement in hindsight is absolutely hilarious. 
um, because they were absolutely awful, as we've discussed previously in this podcast about the uh, decision making uh, on the pit wall, um, and it just seems crazy. I mean, I don't know how Formula One teams work, but if it's just one bloke who's doing the strategy, I think they should sack him. Um, but yeah, that's my opinion. Maybe it's a bit harsh, but I think there's a team of strategists. Uh, but but yeah something's not quite right in the cogs there is it no not at all joe your aj on the line line of the week please i'm going to uh, appeal to the lando norris fan club um as uh, when lando norris was asked uh, what was the key for that good result in qualifying he uh, replied you're looking at him <laughs> which i thought was uh, was pretty good because often you know I know it's good for the drivers to thank the team for putting them in that position, but I think it's good to see the drivers back themselves once in a while. Um, and it, it was, it was a great performance by Lando Norris in qualifying and in the race as well. Not much more he could have done to finish higher. Um, so, yeah. I, I was going to give him my honourable mention until Jimmy reminded me of Sebastian Vettel's retirement, mm. where I, I just kind of chucked him aside because of Seb. But yeah. That there's a lot of lines of the week that you could get from that Seb retirement speech, but I've got to stop talking about that. We've got some good lines here already, and it's four weeks now until the Belgian Grand Prix. Now, the Belgian Grand Prix I will watch on a train somewhere in Europe, probably. So I'm looking forward to that experience. Uh, but we've got to get some predictions down, and it's really difficult because we don't know how the technical directive could change things i'm going to put it out there red bull will still win in spa because of their incredible straight line speed i i think that's a sensible prediction from my perspective joe i see you're nodding in agreement is that yours or are you going to do something a bit different i don't know i was going to do the same so i will do the same yeah red bull their straight line speed is absolutely amazing um and i suppose spa does have you know, quite a lot of high-speed corners, which might suit the Ferrari or even the Mercedes. But I think that outright straight-line speed of their Red Bull will see them through. I think we're in agreement there, Joe. But is Jimmy in agreement? Uh, no, I'm going to be slightly mean to Ferrari and say another. They're either going to break down, have a yeah breakdown, or there'll be a very poor strategy call. Uh, in this next race, which will cause them, cause them to lose and be fall off the podium um, and not be contention even more for the World Championship. Well, that that seems almost obvious at this point. It does, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. Uh, we'll stick with you, Jimmy, for your bold prediction, if that's all uh, right. So my bold prediction would probably be a Mercedes 1-2. Um, I know what you've said about the floor being raised. It won't affect uh, Red Bull, but yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Part of me thinks they've done something over the last few races, maybe an FP2 or FP3, that's had the new plank on. That's, but I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Who, Red Bull? And Ferrari, for that matter, yeah, because I doubt they'd go into Spa blind. But I think there were rumours that Perez was running uh, the new version of the floor in France. I don't know if he was doing it again in Hungary, but if he's really struggling because of that, then... Perhaps that's a concern. Although Christian Horner has been constantly saying that the technical directive won't affect them. So we shall see. They were quite uh, vocal about it, though, weren't they? I mean, if it doesn't really affect them much, why are they being so vocal? Yeah, they they didn't like the idea. Joe? Well, since I was robbed of my honourable mention, I'm going to sort of shoehorn it into my prediction. Because uh, it was actually very well researched. Um, but uh, I'm going to go oh, with an... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with an Alpine podium. Now the reason I'm gonna go with that is I was looking at Alpine's form in the past few races, eight races. They've had six double points finishes in the past eight races, and the only races they didn't get a double points finish in were Fernando Alonso got fifth in Britain with an Ocon retirement, and in Monaco they actually did finish double points on the track, but Ocon had a five second penalty which dropped him down to twelfth. So, on pace, they've pretty much had eight double-points finishes in a row, which, for a, for a midfield team on that pace, is absolutely incredible. So, I'm going to say they're going to go one further after the summer break and 
get on that podium. Very well researched, so I'll, I'll give you a ripple for that, Joe. <laughs> I thought I could uh-huh. save it for the next race, but it's in four weeks, so I'm going to... You'll probably forget, let's be honest. Yeah, so I'm going to get it in and combine it. No, nicely done. My bold prediction is that Mercedes will appear like on level kind of pegging with the Red Bull and Ferrari in terms of pace. It's just, uh, as I've already established, Red Bull are going to win based on straight line speed. But I think Mercedes will be up there with the with the top two. And we're going to have a three-way battle for the rest of the season for the first time since probably 2012 with McLaren, Ferrari, Red Bull. Maybe 2013 because Mercedes replaced McLaren. Um, actually, no, because Ferrari dropped off as well. So it would be 2012, the last time that there was a th- three teams going for it with uh, six drivers in with a chance of winning a race. And that is why we need to keep watching F1 because it's not for the championship this year, I don't think. There are two other big sporting events going on right now and we're going to discuss them. Jimmy, do you want to introduce the first one? Uh, yes, so the first one is the Commonwealth Games. Uh, for people who don't know, uh, it's in Birmingham, which is uh, not only a home games in terms of the uh, country, but also a home games in terms of our region, because we're all from Birmingham. God, you're determined to give away my identity. I know, right? Sorry, mate. Yeah. Anyway, we're all from... <laughs> it's a south-facing house near Birmingham. Yeah. Take from that what not you many will. Not them about either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it's really nice. I mean, we were discussing it on Friday how much of a vibe it was, weren't we? Um, oh, absolute vibe, wasn't it? It Jimmy? was. Everybody was absolutely. We for for those of you wondering, me, Jimmy, and Joe went for dinner in Birmingham on Friday night, and it was a vibe. It was. It was just really, really lovely. And um, and yeah, the whole city was buzzing, and it's just great. Um, and I think it's what this uh, city needed. Definitely. Uh, in fact, weren't you on the television yesterday, Jimmy? I was, yeah, but it might give away my location. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, I went to watch the marathon, um, and I was cheering the... I think the Australian won it in the end. Um, but I was cheering them all on. And, uh, and yeah, I got caught by the, the television. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's great for Birmingham. And it's great for snobs as well, because they keep on getting promotion, the, the nightclub that it is. Um, you were on the coverage of the marathon. I had, I know I said in my lunch break, I was talking about fin- uh, final practice for the Hungarian Grand Prix, but I also had time to pop down to Victoria Square, where the women's marathon was just finishing up um i i just popped up there and i was in i saw a big crowd so i thought i'd join it because i'm british i, lo- I loved a, a queue or something like that um and i turned to my left and the ugandan team were there all of the coaches and everything right next to me and they they start introducing themselves to me and say oh which team are you with i don't know if they were confused by the fact i was wearing a night top um they maybe thought that i was a coach or something <laughs> but but i said i said england put an extra put a question mark at the end of that because i wasn't too sure in the way that i <laughs> and anyway um we were we were all introducing ourselves, shaking hands and things like that. It was brilliant. Um, I found out that they were Uganda. Um, even though they had the Ugandan kit on, I thought I'd confirm it. And then the Ugandan woman won the marathon. I don't think she so did, Adam. It was Adam, absolute Australian one, I think. Oh, yeah. I thought the Ugandan one. Well, the Ugandan came across the line in a good time. I can't remember her name. Yeah, but the Australian came before her with an even better time. Okay, the the Ugandan got on the podium yeah. behind the Australian that Jimmy referred to, but that was a good result for them anyway. So we were all cheering together. It was a brilliant moment. And then people start wanting to take photos with the Ugandan coaches. Now, at this point, I was stood in the middle of them and had been talking to them, and I was in a conversation. And then when I the photos started being taken of them, I was like, oh, I'll just move to the side. And then they said, no, it's all right, you stay there. Someone has a photo on their mobile phone of them with the Ugandan coaching team and me. 
<laughs> that aside, that weirdness, I think that is what, well, one of the great things about international sporting events like this, it can bring different communities all over the world together and it's wonderful just to have those conversations that you never would have had. Um, and the fact that it's in our city, Birmingham, that we're so proud of, it's it's even better. And yeah, like I, I was having a chat yesterday with um, a South African gymnast. She was lovely. I had a conversation with one of the England cricket, cricket team. Um, she was lovely and she was hoping to go over and see the hockey last night in in the University of Birmingham. Um, who else did I see? I had to chat with a New Zealander who was the, the anchor, the news anchor presenting from Birmingham for the next two weeks. It's, it's just a real great atmosphere, a mix. Um, and it's our city. So really happy about that. Uh, Joe, can you, I know you don't like the word vibe, but can you admit that it's brilliant in Birmingham right now. It was pretty atmospheric. I'll give it that. AKA vibe. You give such Kimi Raikkonen answers sometimes. Expand on it, my friend. Vibe is not an appropriate word. It was atmospheric. <laughs> yeah, it was a good place to be. Uh, they've done a pretty good job of uh, sprucing up the city centre, making it <laughs> accommodating for anyone coming to visit the games. Uh, should, you know, should be a good event. Yeah, absolutely. Shame about the rail strike yesterday, but at least that's over. Um, Tough for now. For now. <laughs> right, so I guess having covered Birmingham 2022, let's go over to Wembley where Joe is reporting pitch side. I'm not sure we should lie like that. Like that. <laughs> what do you mean we're lying? Well, he's not pitch side, is he? I'll, I'll get a bunch of people to start cheering. Maybe Joe isn't quite pitch side, but he's going to talk about something football related, I hear. Yes. Um, so over the past few weeks uh, in Britain again, it's been the, uh, the Women's Euros Championship. Uh, it's just ended as we're filming this and it's come home. We've we've never really said it's come home because it's always been coming home, but it never did. And the fact that it's a women's team against Germany, Wembley, mm. not on penalties, fortunately. Yeah. Two-one <laughs> victory. And it's so good for the country. It's so good for women's football, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I think I think it has inspired a generation. I yeah, so happy. And I know I said so quite a few times, but I'm feeling pretty emotional right t- right now, uh, thinking about it. As I've already said, tears were in my eyes uh, at the final whistle as England won. What a performance, though, eh, Joe? It's good to see England actually capitalising on being the best team for once, because they were the best team at the tournament, uh, didn't bottle it, especially against Germany, which uh, traditionally is the side that England bottle these things to. Um, some fantastic results. I know they beat Sweden, who are a very good side as well, in um, quite convincingly uh, big 8-0 win against Norway. So from an England perspective, it's good to see the, a side not get frightened of a, of a big tournament, which has been a, quite a big problem in English football for quite a few years. Absolutely. And I think while she didn't score... In the final, um, well, she didn't score in the final. It was it was Toon and Kelly. I think it was Katie Kelly, her name. But it was her first ever goal for England, and what a time to do it, eh? Uh, but but anyway, she didn't score. It was those two. But the star of the tournament, it would seem, was Alessia Russo. She would always come off the bench and cause problems for the side opposite. She she plays for Manchester United as well. And yeah, she she's put in some stunning performances and even got a backheel goal through the legs of the keeper against Sweden in that 4-0 win. Um, she's a great player. And I, I think the whole team are great players. Um, it was it was great to see. It's, it's really good that um, women's football is now professional. First of all, they, there's been so many years where they've been semi-pro, where they've had to be working one job while also being a football player and not getting paid, uh, going through almost 
embarrassing times uh, for them. But facing up to that adversity and showing everyone that it doesn't matter who you are, you can do any sport. And I think, well, Formula One can learn a lot from that. Uh, but not just it's not just a Formula One thing. It's not just us. It's it's a it's a whole nation that has been inspired and it's so good to see isn't it jimmy were you watching it i was yeah um i watched yeah i didn't see the first three minutes because i was a bit busy but yeah I, I watched the uh the remainder of the um first half and the second half yeah um yeah it's just great and it, what was nice to see in the in the crowd were families instead of um thugs sort of football hooligans and thugs who try to knock seven belts out of each other like joe pardon like joe well not not quite like joe i wouldn't put joe in that i bracket. am a bit of a hooligan i wouldn't say yeah i doubt you'd like thanks jimmy although you do go with your family to be fair joe yeah and I, I i'm do. sure it would be i'm sure it would be a great atmosphere if everyone like went in a family sort of atmosphere rather than going out for a fight sort of thing which i, I Unfortunately, we've already started seeing as the championship started this weekend. Um, but yeah, it was a great atmosphere. The players don't have as much of the um, like the drama going down, rolling over, starting fights, sort of things. There, there was a bit of tension in the final. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of rolling around on the floor. I'm not gonna, you know, yeah. There's still, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but yeah. Um, I thought it was brilliant when Jill Scott came on, got fouled, and then got up and called the German a. F- um, that was that. You're was sending some money to charity um, for that. I've cut all that out of my well, podcast. Have, have you reviewed sent money to charity? No, I haven't. But I've been good since you've instigated that sort of uh, penalty. It was a quote. To be fair. I think I think what is important is what Ian Wright said. Uh, I think it, it might have been during the semi-final or or at the end of the semi-final where he said if in PE girls are not doing football then I don't know why we're doing this yeah and I think that's that's the really important thing isn't it yeah the fact that girls can play football they should be able to play football if they want to um and I think it's it's been proven on the pitch today so congratulations to the lionesses on that incredible performance oh what a weekend eh it's been brilliant discussing sport with you two today and over the last few months and hopefully we'll return in about four weeks time maybe we'll pop back with a special episode who knows um although we are busy nowadays especially a working man named jimmy indeed Um, yeah i like how jimmy gets his first name protected unless he's being told off by joe Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but listen well you have listened and that is something that we are all grateful for so thank you for that i hope that you're safe you're well that you have a great summer and we will speak to you very soon i'm sure if you want to stay up to date with what we're doing follow aj on the line on tiktok or go to ajontheline.com for our website uh, where i might post an article or two if you're lucky and you can follow me on instagram at adam jw44 joe jimmy do you have anything more to add before we say goodbye i don't think so yeah uh, just that sebastian vettel is a, a, a really great guy I don't think that I need to say any more. Have a great <laughs> summer. And what Joe said, grazie ragazzi, and see you in Spa. <laughs>